So excited to get to worship with you this morning as we share, uh, in a word this morning, as we uh, continue a sermon series called Help, Thanks, Wow. It's a, it's a, based on a book by Anne Lamott of the same name, and, and we've been learning kind of the essential elements of prayer, uh, the essential elements of prayer, and, and last um, couple of weeks we've been talking about how to pray for help in those times of need, and, and this week we talk about giving thanks and, um, you know, and, and about being grateful. And I don't know if you're like me, but in this time, it is kind of difficult to be grateful, right? Like, like it's difficult to be grateful in this time for, for a number of different reasons. And, um, and I don't know if you're like me. Um, I'm, I'm really into technology, and, and I really actually enjoy kind of like Apple technology. I, I think it's just a kind of a fascinating system. And, um, and every once in a while, Apple will have what they call Apple events. And these are the events where they, you know, debut the, the kind of newest thing that's in their line, right, in their line of products. And uh, there was an Apple event just last week. And so, um, and so my friend and I are texting each other, you know, and we're like, okay, it's on Tuesday, you know, and, and uh, you know, are you going to be able to watch it? And, and is it going to be, you know, what, what is it going to be? And here's all the things that it might be. And, and here's the things that it probably isn't. And, and all these things, you know, we're getting really excited about it. And, and, um, and so I was able to kind of watch part of it and kind of learn what they were talking about. And, and, um, and I was watching and, you know, I had my computer up and uh, was watching it on my computer and, and, and I learned that they were debuting, you know, the newest um, kind of line of Apple computers. Um, the most impressive thing about it is they have this new kind of chip and it's, you know, the Apple silicone chip. And, and this chip is somewhere between 10 and four times faster than any other silicone chip um, that's on the market right now. And, and it's just this really exciting thing. And so I was watching this go on, you know, and, and seeing all the kind of new things that this computer can do and all of this stuff. And, and I was watching this on my new computer, right? New to me. And, and I was super excited to receive it once I came on staff here and, and really excited. And I was watching all of this. And, and as I was watching this, I realized, you know, like, I want that computer. You know what I mean? Like, I have this, this computer has, you know, been in my possession now for just like a few months. And, but here, it's like, I didn't know that I wanted this thing until I saw the new thing. Have you ever been in that moment, right, where you didn't know you wanted the thing until you saw the new thing? And, and you, you didn't realize that you were unhappy with what you had until you saw somebody that had something else, right? And and, and that's when I noticed this truth, maybe you've realized this as well, that it's hard to be thankful when someone else has nicer stuff, right? Like at our, if, if we were just being honest, you know what I mean? Like, like at our most base, you know, kind of operation, it's hard to be grateful when our, when our you know, friend pulls out, you know, the, the newest phone, when, when, when our neighbor pulls up their, their new boat, you know, when, when something happens, when we notice somebody else has something nicer, it's really hard to be grateful for what we have. If, you, if you're thinking, you know what, that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty content with what I have. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty satisfied. Let me ask you this. So, like, whatever you're going to do for Thanksgiving, you know, you might get together with family. You might do something more abbreviated. Whatever the case, what if over Thanksgiving somehow you learned um, about your, your, your kind of black sheep relative you know, like, like all of us kind of have the black sheep relative, the person that's kind of on the outside, you know, they kind of, you know, make some rift in the family. Everybody kind of has a black sheep relative. If you're thinking right now, we don't have one, it might be you. Okay, just, just keep that in mind. Um, we love you. But anyways, so like what if you learned about your relative, your family member, the, the black sheep family member, what if you learned that they won the lottery? Would your first reaction be joy? 
Oh, I'm so happy for you. You know, like, I know that you've caused all these rifts in our family. I know that maybe you owe some other people in our family money. I know that you, you know, you blew everybody up whenever you said that one thing last Christmas, you know, like, whatever. But, I, but I'm so happy that you have all of this money now. Or, or would we be dissatisfied? Would the first thought in our head be, why do you deserve it? Of all the people in our family, Maybe you're the, the least deserving of it. How would you feel if you learned that somebody else had a particular windfall or, or something, some kind of benefit in their, in their life that you didn't receive? It's hard to be grateful when, it's hard to be thankful when, when someone else has nicer stuff. This is just kind of our human experience. And I think those initial reactions, you know, there's, there's really kind of no value on that, right? It's not, it's not good or bad, it's just the initial reaction we have. But what we can do is watch our response right, to, to manage how we react to those things. Maybe, maybe you've experienced this kind of dissatisfaction, right? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's with your retirement savings, you know, as the stock market has done what it's done these, you know, these last several months, and you've kind of watched and worried about what that might be, and it's hard to be thankful whenever all the plans that you have made up to this point really seem to be kind of going by the wayside. You know, it's hard to be thankful and grateful in the midst of a pandemic, right? When when everything seems to be shutting down and, and, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better anytime soon, it, it's really hard to be grateful. It's really hard to be grateful in the midst of an election that just won't stop. You know, it, it seems like we thought, well, maybe this will be the definitive thing, but what we're learning is just like, it, it seems like it won't end whoever you voted for. It, it just seems like it won't quit. It's hard to be grateful in these times. It's hard to be grateful in these times, especially when someone else has nicer stuff. And when I think about that nicer stuff idea, um, I think about this, this essay written by a theologian. His name was Walter Brueggemann. And with a name like Walter Brueggemann, you almost have to be a theologian, right? So um, Walter Brueggemann wrote, wrote an essay called The Myth of Scarcity, the Liturgy of Abundance. The myth of scarcity, the liturgy of abundance. Liturgy just means kind of work of the people, what we do as a church. That's liturgy, right? So, so um, the, the myth of scarcity, the liturgy, liturgy of abundance. And essentially he says this about these two different things. He says the myth of scarcity is the lie that there isn't enough. The myth of scarcity, it's, it's a myth, right? So it's a lie that there isn't enough. We always hear about the myth of scarcity around this time, whenever like buying for Christmas comes up and we hear things like limited time sale, right? Limited time sale. You know who made it limited time? The people who were doing the sale. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't quite compute. Like they made, they're trying to make this like myth of scarcity so that you will feel compelled to buy that thing right now because they know if you have time to think about it, you might not do it. Right? Or while supplies last, there's this, there's this necessary item that you have to have, but the supplies are limited. It's while supplies last. If you really needed it, don't you think they would have provided more of it? You know, like, but there's this myth of scarcity. There's this lie that there isn't enough. And whenever we start to believe that lie, we start to become really bitter about the people who have the thing that we don't. Why? Because we believe that if they have it, we can't. Right? We believe this lie that, 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 if, that if they have it, we can't have it. And then we start to compete with each other and we start to, start to compare ourselves with other people. That's, that's the myth of scarcity. On the flip side of that, the antithesis to, to the myth of scarcity is what Brueggemann calls the liturgy of abundance. And it's the belief that there is plenty of the important things. There is plenty 
of the important things. Some things may be limited. That sale may be for a limited time. Those products may not be out there all of the time. That, that computer that's out there, you know, it, I may not be able to have it tomorrow. But if I believe in the liturgy of abundance, I can believe that there is enough. There is plenty of the important things. And when we start to believe in the liturgy of abundance, our, our whole world kind of flips. We, we stop comparing ourselves to other people. Why? Because it doesn't matter how much they have. Because if they have something, if it was really important, we could have it too. The myth of scarcity, the liturgy of abundance, Brueggemann writes this about this thing, and I think he's exactly right. He said, wouldn't it be wonderful if liberal and conservative church people who love to quarrel with each other came to a common realization that the real issue confronting us is whether the news of God's abundance can be trusted in the face of the story of scarcity. Right? It's not about left and right. It's not about Republican and Democrat. It is about if there is enough of what God has promised. And if we will live into that, if we'll stop quarreling over the things that don't really matter, right? If we can, if we can ignore the things and say, you know what, that's going to work itself out. That's going to be what it will be. What really matters is whether church people, people whom Jesus said was like a, like a city set upon a hill, that, that it was like on display for the world. Why? Not for their own glory, but for the glory of God. Jesus said, I have set these people apart so that they can glorify God. And the way that they're going to do it is by believing that there is plenty of the important things. That God has promised something to you. God has promised something to you, and the question is whether or not we will believe it. Well, and then we come to, to Paul in the New Testament. Um, uh, Paul was a, a, is a, an apostle of Jesus. He was one, um, um, Paul writes about that, how he was kind of untimely chosen, meaning that he was really um, kind of selected for, um, to follow Jesus after the um, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And so um, Paul went around doing ministry, and he went around starting many different churches. Uh, he would start kind of small communities of faith. He's what we might now call a church planter. He would, he would start these churches, and then he would, you know, kind of raise up leaders in that church, and then he would go on to do his ministry. And so he kind of did this, and then every once in a while he would turn around, he would write back letters to those churches that he had started or churches he wanted to encourage, and he would kind of, you know, let them know. He said, I've heard these things are going on, and, and here's how you might address those things. And um, this is one of the letters that we have in uh, what we call the Philippians. It was written to the church in Philippi. Um, so, you know, people who live in Philippi are called Philippians. And so he writes this, this letter to them. And, and in uh, Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, um, he writes these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I, it blows me away, right? Not, not when you're feeling like it. Not when things are going well. Not when... Um, you know, not when the stocks are up, not when your team is winning. And, um, you know, it's like rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, re I read this letter from Paul, and I think that if, if, the, if gratitude were about having more than others, right? Like if the prerequisite for being thankful was having a lot of stuff, Paul would have never been thankful, Right? Like, like if that's the requirement, if, if what you need to be thankful is a little bit more, right? You ever been in that trap where you think, like, if I can just make this much more money, if I can just, you know, if my stocks can be up by this much, if, if you know, we can just go on this vacation, then I'll be happy, right? It, it, rarely does that ever work, but, but Paul, you know, kind of surpassed all of that. He was able to be thankful in the midst of all these different things, just a few of the things that were going on at the, the likely time of the writing of this letter. Um, the first of all, Philippi, um, the church in Philippi, was one of the churches that he started, and he hears that they're struggling, right? Which has got to be kind of a defeating thing, right? I mean, it's got to be kind of disappointing. This church, these people that you love, many of the people that you've baptized, um, you know, you, you love these people, and, and this church now is kind of struggling. They're quarreling with each other, and so now he's having to write back to them and tell them how to do church. So this has got to be a little bit disappointing. And not only that, but this church in Philippi had sent a friend of Paul's to, to help out. Um, they had heard that Paul was kind of struggling as well, so they sent a man named Epaphroditus. And, and what we read in the letter of the Philippians is that Epaphroditus, while he's with Paul, almost dies. He gets so ill that he almost dies, and so Paul has to send him back to the Philippians. Right? Again, it's got to be really disappointing. Can you imagine how defeating it would be to receive a friend? You're kind of lonely out on the road doing the thing that you do, and you receive a friend, you're so excited to receive him, then he gets so sick that he almost dies, so you got to send him back. And he, like, he does this thing. Not only all of this, not only all of this, most likely while Paul is writing this letter, he is writing from imprisonment. He is, whether under house arrest or in an actual prison, he is writing this letter from imprisonment, and he is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. He has a shackle on his leg to keep him from leaving the place he's at. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. If, if the prerequisite for gratitude was having more than someone else, Paul would have never been thankful. For us, if, if the prerequisite for being thankful is having more, friends, we will, we will die always wanting more. But here Paul is, he's able to say these words, rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice. He says these words in, in 4, 6, he says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I think that's kind of a contradictory statement. You know, because like if you're making a request... Right? You, you naturally have like a void. There, there's naturally something that you don't have that you are asking for. Right? That's why you have a request, right? So that you can get the stuff that you don't have. But what Paul says is with thanksgiving, while being grateful, while being grateful for what you do have, let your requests be made known for what you don't have. While in the midst of this entire thing, being thankful. I think this is what Paul is inevitably saying, that gratitude is not about having everything we want, but about being content with what we have. Gratitude is not about having everything we want, but about being content with what we have. Again, if, if, we, if we work really hard to, to get more, that's fine. 
there have been plenty of people who have made a living on doing that and saying just a little bit more, just, just a little bit more when I have this, when we live in that neighborhood, when we get in this house, so it, you know, I'll, I'll be thankful. And then, you know, we inevitably get promoted to part of our job that we don't really like. We get into a house that we really can't afford. We, we, we get a boat that, you know, just like, just takes up all of our time and energy. And we thought, you know what, I thought I was really going to be thankful with this thing, and now I'm not. Gratitude is not about having more but about being content with what we have. And then Paul says this in in, uh, verse 7. He says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, meaning that you will have a peace. You, You will have this thing in your life that other people can't understand. You know, um, this is that time of year, um, you know, as soon as November hits, there's, there's a group of you people out there, I call them you people because I'm not one of them, there's a group of you people that, that begin watching Christmas movies as early as possible. Is anybody here? Okay, we've got a couple of here. God bless you. I'll pray for your soul. Um, maybe you're online as well. Um, there's a group of people who want to watch Christmas movies, not in my house, you know what I mean? Like, not, you know, for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No, okay, um, but... Um, you know, I'm like, Thanksgiving after, we can watch Christmas movies, right? And my favorite Christmas movie, my favorite Christmas movie is A Muppet's Christmas Carol, right? It was, it was one of those movies that I grew up on, and it is just the best, you know? Gonzo is Charles Dickens. Um, um, uh, Michael Caine is Mr. Scrooge. You've never met a better Mr. Scrooge than Michael Caine, you know? It's, it's awesome. And, um, you know, there's this, um, in, 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 in every adaptation, adaptation, and of course in, in Charles Dickens' original, there's this scene um, when, when Scrooge is working and Scrooge's nephew, Fred, comes into the, to the, um, to the office there, right? Scrooge is busy at work, you know, it's right before Christmas, and, and Fred is just kind of spreading Christmas cheer. You know, he's just so excited that it's almost Christmas. Um, and, and, um, and Scrooge kind of gets on to him, right? Ebenezer Scrooge kind of gets on to him and he says, Merry Christmas. What right do you have to be merry? What reason do you have to be merry? You're poor enough. And Fred responds, what right do you have to be dismal? What reason do you have to be morose? You're rich enough. If the prerequisite for gratitude was having more than someone else, friends, we'll never be happy. But instead, if we... If we look at what we have, we can truly experience gratitude. And, and I want to share that I think this is true whether or not you believe in Jesus. You know, you may be here this, this morning, you may be watching online, maybe even for the first time, and you're not quite sure what you think about Jesus. I think that's fine. I would invite you just to kind of experiment, practice this just a little bit. Because I, I think one of the things that, that, that define the followers of Jesus is gratitude. And so I think if you practice gratitude, you might get a little bit closer to understand what it is to believe in Jesus. And that's true whether we've been following Jesus our entire life or whether we're completely new to this entire experience. And so I'm going to invite you this week just to practice gratitude, just, just to play with it a little bit, just see what it looks like in our life. And so I'm going to encourage you this week to do two things. One of them is this, write down five gratitudes each day this week. Write down five gratitudes each day this week. Now, 
if you're somebody who journals, you know, maybe it's writing them down in your journal. Maybe it's just having like a notepad on your nightstand or maybe even just finding some post-it notes. Each day, whatever time of day it is, write down five gratitudes each day, right? So that's, that, 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 that's each day for just one week. So five gratitudes, like that's something that you can easily do. Just think of five things. You need, and what you'll find is that you like numbers one through three are really easy. You know, those are things that have happened immediately in your life. But numbers you know, four and five, you got to stretch a little bit just to, just to find something to be thankful for. Write down five gratitudes each day this week. And then try one more thing. Write a thank you note to someone who needs encouragement. We have plenty of people that we're thankful for, but I hope that you'll begin praying now about somebody who really just needs encouragement. Right? Somebody in your life who's going through something. And write a thank you note to them. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. When you write a thank you note to them, you can thank them for the thing that they've you know, let you borrow or the thing that you know, they've given you. But I also want you to, in that note, to write, I am thankful for you. I am thankful for who you are. Notice the difference in that, right? Notice, notice the difference that, that, that if we are thankful for what somebody does for us, that's what everyone does, right? Jesus says, you know, like everybody loves those who love them. That, that's natural. But if we write a note to someone and say, you know what, I'm really thankful. You know, you did this in my life and, and I really appreciated it. But most of all, I am thankful for you. That I think that might be the thing that defines the followers of Jesus. I think this is really important. I think this idea of gratitude is really important. And I just want to ask you just to imagine. Just imagine at the end of your life. At the end of your life. What will you be most thankful for? At the end of your life, what will you be most thankful for? Will you be thankful that you spent more time in the office? That you spent more time on social media and saying, I'm, I'm so glad that I made all those comments. You know, I'm so glad that I, was, that I was on there for so many hours a day. Or will you be thankful for the time that you spent with your loved ones, with your friends? The time that you called someone just to call them. The experience that you had. What will you be most thankful for at the end of your life? And what if we started being thankful now? Let us pray. God, we are thankful. Sometimes we have funny ways of showing it. Sometimes we struggle to even express what we mean by being thankful. But God, ultimately, we are thankful. And we pray now that you would bless us, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that your presence would inhabit this place, that you would be in this room, that you would be wherever we are worshiping at this very moment, God, that we would feel you in this place. And that as we begin to understand your presence, that we would be grateful that we would be so thankful for what we have, for we know that every good thing comes from you. And that we would learn to share that gratitude 
that we would have a peace that passes all understanding, that other people would look into our lives and they would say, there is something different about you. You know, there is something about the way you live. There is something about the smile on your face. How can you be thankful at a time like this? And we will smile as we tell them about the life-changing love of Christ. For it's in his mighty, precious, and holy name that we pray. Amen.